Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco and we exist so that people that are far from God, we encounter his presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. We have great friends uh, in the house today and we were on 6th Street when we had Pastor Cray come for the first time and his better half actually came this time. And um, But Pastors Craig and Moni Lotz, they are phenomenal people. And um, I met them, I don't know, maybe seven years ago approximately. And um, we came, we, we went to a Giants game together and we watched the Giants win. And I wasn't really intrigued with the game as much as what Pastor Craig was pouring into me. He's a papa in the faith. And I said, man... Pastor, where have you been all my life? It's like I, we've known of, of, of mutual friends for so many years, but I've never crossed paths with you. But I recognize that it was a divine appointment that God had brought him into my life, into our lives, a true friend of City Life Church. And uh, he's got an apostolic fathering grace. And they say that behind every good man, there's a great woman. So I met Pastor Craig, but when I met Pastor Moni, then it's like, it's a wrap. Like, she is the real deal. She is a prophetess. And they pastor a phenomenal church up in Spokane, multi-site around the world. Their influence goes beyond the U.S. They're incredible friends. I could brag on them for hours, but I want to give them more time to just preach. And should the Lord lead them to prophesy, go and do your thing and just be led by the Spirit of God. But we are hungry for the presence of God. Amen, somebody? Now, remember, we have a saying around here that a quiet church is a... So Pastor Lamia online, Dan and Debbie, Debbie praying for your, your, your healing. Thank you for your testimonies, by the way. We have our host, a different one, Cecilia. Holler at your preacher today, right? Little fire emojis, little hands, whatever it is, but preach with the preacher. Can we welcome pastors Craig and Moni? Pastor Moni, would you come and say hello as well? They love us so much that they, they asked to come and just camp out with us. So they'll elaborate in a moment. <laughs> Sorry. Holding things up. Love you. I love you. You're the best. Uh, good morning. <laughs> good morning. You guys have the most incredible pastors on the planet. Give it up for your pastors, right? None of us would be here if not for them. So I told them, well, I told Pastor Elena, I'm not going to go up. I'm not going to take any of his time. Well, here I am. <laughs> You know what happens when you give a woman the mic, right? Are you ready? Yeah, no, I just want to say this from the heart of God. His pleasure is in this house because you are a people who truly know how to bring a sacrifice of worship, a sacrifice of praise in the midst of difficult circumstances. And we all probably know the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. But that means he actually sits down and he rules when worship ascends to his throne. So I want to encourage you today, because you brought a sacrifice of worship, God is ruling in the midst of your circumstance right now. Regardless of what you feel, what you see, what you think, what is screaming at you, God Almighty, the creator of the universe, is actually ruling in the midst of your circumstance. So church, be blessed today. Oh, oh, oh. I get to go home with that every day. It's a good life, come on. You know, we do, we love your pastors. Um, you know, quite often you think, well, a pastor's supposed to say something nice about the pastors where you're going to their church, but I'm gonna skip that. I'm gonna leave that, and I'm gonna tell you the truth. 
I was thinking about these guys this last week, even praying and preparing to come down here. And I'm going to say something about them I have never said about any pastors. We've been in a lot of churches, girl, haven't we? And I've never said this about anybody, any pastors. I think they could oversee and run a country. I think they could. I think the calling of God, the anointing of God, the character of God is so strong in their lives that they could literally oversee and run a country. I believe that. I believe that. And there are people who have known them longer than us, but I don't think anybody likes them better than we do. Come on. So we are, I am so excited to be here with you. And City Life, I got to be here a few years ago and bragged about you to Moni, and so it's so much fun for her to get to be. And you got new digs since I was here last. Oh my goodness. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I'm going to talk to you. I feel like I have an assignment from the Lord. I'm going to talk to you about living in hope. Living in hope. And uh, I talk to so many Christians in this hour that are low on hope that whether it's 2020 or what's gone on in 2021, that they're low on hope. And I want to talk to those that are online. We love you. We bless you. And I believe that Holy Spirit can come right through online and touch you, heal you, and bless you right where you're at. Let me read you a few prophetic words that I've heard this year that lined up with that. First one is, and I think you may have these to see, uh, one prophet said, I had a very deep sense of many in the body of Christ right now needing hope. A ferocious battle against what God has spoken has been unleashed against them. Another prophet said this, some of you have become hopeless. You feel like nothing is going to get better. God says, I want to give you a renaissance of hope to your life. And then a third prophet said this, hope prophets are rising. Can we hear a hoo for hope prophets? They aren't stuck in the trenches of the moment persuaded by the drama of the hour, or crushed by the rise and fall of the story. Hope prophets, we need you. Let your voices rise. Tell us what you see. Speak from the end and prophesy life over the nations in Jesus' name. So I I believe, I'm believing for the supernatural intervention of God to put hope in our hearts and show us how to walk in hope and stay in hope because that's the victory that we're going to have. I was thinking of the Old Testament, maybe a picture in the Old Testament of something that would have given people hope. And I was thinking about the children of Israel going through the wilderness and they're led by day by a pillar of cloud and at night by a pillar of fire. And I think about at night they would set up and all the tents would be around the tabernacle. And I was thinking about a husband and wife and their kids in the tent and they've had a terrible day. It looks like things aren't gonna go well. It looks like they might not make it. And so they're having this conversation. Then he gets up and he pulls back the flap of the tent and he looks out and there's the pillar of fire. And I think he might turn around to his wife and go, I think we're gonna be okay. I think things are okay. And it's an awareness of the presence of God. It's an awareness that God is with us. Let me look at this scripture in Exodus 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. For those of you that that are new to this thing called church and the Bible, this is a story many years ago where God came and would, would come upon or in this tent was the church gathering spot that they would have. And so it says, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent. Now, it doesn't say he didn't enter the tent. It says he could not. I I just think he was trying. 
I'd love seeing, I want to see the video of this someday or DVD in heaven. I think he's trying to get in there because it says he could not. That means he's trying. So either he gets close and just falls down, keeps going, falls down, keeps going at the presence of God, or else he's bouncing off the glory. I don't know what it is, but I just, it says he could not get into the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So here we have a picture of God tenting, if you will, in the midst of his people, and it's a picture of a day that would come when God's glory would tabernacle or tent with his people. And let's read about that in the New Testament. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word of God became flesh. Who is that? Come on, good students. The word of God became flesh, and what did he do? Pitched his tent among us, and we gazed at his glory. The glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So once again, here's a picture. In the picture in the Old Testament, God is in the midst of his people, and they called it pitching the tent. Here in the New Testament, Jesus shows up, and it's God in the midst of his people. We have up here an exact replica of that tabernacle. <laughs> well, all right, maybe not exactly. It's probably not even close, I don't think. <laughs> Hey, I want to ask you a question. Up in eastern Washington, Spokane, where we're from, we have so many people that tent. They go out and tent out in the mountains. It's a big deal. Does anybody in San Francisco tent? Anybody online? Teresa, Darnie, do any of you tent? Let me see those hands again. So there are some tenters here. Thank you, Jesus. I'm a hotel guy. I just got to tell you right now, I'm a hotel guy. I did some tenting as a child and younger, and I survived, and you're a hardy breed. I'll tell you what, they're, they're unusual people that can like those tents. But do you know it's important where you put your tent? I mean, can you imagine putting it on a low spot and it's going to rain that night and you wake up with two inches of rain in your tent? That's not a good place to be. Or maybe you got a leaning tree and big winds are going to come up that night. You don't want to pitch your tent right where that tree might come down on you. Or if you're in Arizona, you don't want to put your tent in a ravine when a, a rainstorm is coming that night. You might end up another county away. It's important where we put our tent. So this is where I want to talk to you about hope. Go with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 22. I'm going to read it to you out of the message. It says, I saw God, this is Peter speaking, I saw God before me for all time. How's that for a powerful statement? He's always there. I saw God before me for all time. Nothing can shake me. Who wants to get to that place? Come on. Would we be a better father if we got in that place? Would we be a better wife? Would we be a better business person? I love that statement. Nothing could shake me. He's right by my side. This awareness of God with him. I'm glad from the inside out. I'm ecstatic. Listen to what he says. I have pitched my tent in the land of hope. That's where we're going to go today. I have pitched my tent in the land of hope. So I want to divide this stage into two parts. Those of you online, keep me honest. Watch on this. I want to divide this stage in half, and I want this to represent the land of hope. And I want this over here to represent the land of despair, discouragement, and disappointment. Okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Who decides where I live? Who decides whether I live in the land of hope or whether I live in the land of disappointment? Who decides? Do the circumstances of my life decide what happens to me today? Does that decide whether I live in the land of hope or whether I la live in the land of disappointment? If I let outside sources, I have just lined up in a line called victim. And victims are the opposite of the kingdom of God. 
Because we do not want to turn over our lives to circumstances. What goes on today does not decide whether I'm going to have a good day, bad day, whether I'm going to fulfill my destiny or not. Circumstances do not dictate whether I'm going to pitch my tent and live in the land of hope or whether I'm going to live in the land of disappointment. So I believe in the midst of this message today, God is going to show some of us, uh-oh, I got my tent sitting over here. And he's going to show us how to move our tent over to the land of hope. So how do we choose hope over despair? How do we pitch our tent in the land of hope? It sounds good. Oh, Craig, that's awesome. Uh, Woohoo! What a great saying. There, you're awesome. You're wonderful. But how do I do it? How do I do it? And, and we're going to find out. Some of us are going to realize we're over there and we need to get over here. Well, I'm going to give you five things that I believe are how we can pitch our tent in the land of hope, even when all hell is breaking loose in our life. Do you know that's when Jesus is glorified? When all hell is breaking loose in my life and I'm living over here, people want to know why I'm living over here. Why are you full of hope? Why are you full of joy? I know what's going on in your life, and you can tell them, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you why I'm living over here. So, five things. You ready for them? Number one, none of this is real revelatory, but I believe, Holy Spirit, I ask that right now you take it into our hearts. I ask that by the power and the anointing of your word, that God, it would come alive in us, and we would live in the land of hope. Number one, his word. His word, the word of God, number one, the word of God is going to help us live in the land of hope no matter what's going on around us. Listen to this, Psalm 119 verse 114 says, you are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. Your word is my source of hope. Listen to this one. I love this one. Psalm 119 verse 147. I rise before the dawning of the morning. Sounds like an espresso commercial or a coffee commercial. Here we have Joe Schwartz. He's at his house. He's standing there. He's up before the dawn. He's in his living room. He has his espresso. He has his Americano, and he's looking out the window, and the light is just getting ready to break open. It's a beautiful day in Joe's life. He's so happy. It's so awesome. But the next three words totally destroy that image. (laughs) I rise before the dawning of the morning, and I cry for help. This is not a good day in his life. This is not a good day. This is not a coffee commercial. This is a man that thinks he's going to die. I rise before the dawning of the morning because I can't sleep. All things are going wrong in my life. And so what do I do? I get up before it's even light and I cry for help. I hope in your word. I'll tell you what. Moni and I have been in the hardest season of our lives. We've been married for 40 years. Love you, girlfriend. We have been married for 40 years, and I'll tell you what, for the first five months of 2020, we wanted to go back to, or 2021, we wanted to go back to 2020. We'd say, is there a time machine around here so we can go back to 2020? And I'll tell you, it has been in such a place of battle and warfare over so many things in 2021. But I'll tell you what, in the midst of that, I have been learning to pitch my tent in the land of hope when all hell's breaking loose, when I don't think I'm going to make it, when I don't think it's going to work. And so I discovered, this is one verse I discovered, it won't be up there, it's Psalm 56, verse 9, and this is what it says. It says, when we cry out for the Father's help, at the very moment we cry out for the Father's help, the tide of the battle turns and our enemies flee. So I I find myself 
This year, multiple times, I find myself driving around Spokane, and I've got worship music cranked, and I've got bad reports coming in, and I just drive it in my car going, Father God, help me! Father God, rescue us! And I know at the moment, at the very moment the scripture says, at the very moment that I cry out for the Father's help, the tide of the battle turns and my enemies flee. Come on. Psalm 119 verse 49, or 49 says, Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. Now listen, I was trying to think, God, help me get it through to us in a fresh way. What, it, what the Word of God does to help us live in the land of hope. And there's a movie coming out pretty soon. I'm kind of excited for it called Free Guy. Anybody seen any ads for that? Free Guy. And it's a story about a guy that actually lives in a video game, but he doesn't know it. It's, it's a true story. This guy lives in a video game, but he doesn't know it. And somewhere along the line, someone gives him glasses that open his eyes to see the reality that he's living in a video game. The Word of God is, opens our eyes to see the reality that is around us. We see, we, we hear this happening. We get the doctor's report. We get this relational breakdown. We look at our bank account. All these different things happen, loss of a job. But when we put on the word of God and we put on those glasses, we see reality. We see in the spirit that God is for us, not against us. We see that there are more with us than are with them. And so the word of God opens our eyes to God's reality. That's why we need it. Number two, Number one, the Word of God. Number two, prayer. Lamentations 3.28 says this, when life is heavy and hard to take. Maybe somebody online, Dan and Debbie, whoever is, Jerry, someone out there, when life gets hard, what does it say here? Heavy and hard. Maybe that's for somebody watching online right now. When life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself, enter the silence, bow in prayer, don't ask questions, and wait for hope to appear. Come on, the power of prayer. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope and patient in affliction. What? Okay, we'll keep going. Faithful in prayer. Listen, I'm a, I'm a, I didn't grow up in the church. I'm a businessman, grew up and, and been in the business arena. Sometimes church and people can get kind of religious and flowery. It's kind of like, praise the Lord, brother. This is going to, well, why is it going to work out, huh? Don't just tell me it's going to work out. Why is it going to work out? I love it when God gives us tangible things that we can know whether I'm living here or living there. And this verse just gave us some. He says, be joyful in hope. Joy is over here. Joy is not over here. So if you want to find out today, if you're over here or over there, where's your joy meter? That's tangible. That's touchable. I can know whether I'm here. Another thing it says is patience. See, there's no joy in the land of disappointment. There's no joy in the land of despair and discouragement. There's only joy in the land of hope. So, patience. We should have an altar call for all of us right now. Patience. Why is there patience over here? Because God, I look, I pull back the tent. There's the pillar of fire. It's going to be okay. I can be patient when I know God is on my side. Third one, first one was the Word of God, put on those glasses. Number two, prayer. Number three, praise. As for me, in Psalm 71, verse 14, as for me, I will always have hope. Man, God, I want to be there. Help me to be there. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. Of course, 
praise is how I'm going to stay in the land of, of hope. That, that if I praise, and I'll tell you what, this year I have wore out so many. They're not CDs or discs or cassettes or eight tracks anymore. What am I listening to? It's on my iPhone. That's all I know. I don't know what you call it. I'll tell you, I've worshiped my guts out this year. And you know what? It has kept me living in the land of hope. I might enter into my office, put in my AirPods, and I might sit down and I feel like I'm a loser. I feel like I ain't going to make it. I feel like the whole thing's going under. And in about 20 minutes, I come walking out, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I don't know. I don't have to know how it's going to be good, but it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Number four, number one, his word, put on those glasses. Number two, prayer. Number three, praise. Number four, the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that God, this is Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Here's another earmark. Are you at peace? If you're living in the land of hope, you're at peace. If you're in the land of despair, discouragement, and disappointment, you ain't at peace. There's no peace over here. There's no joy over here. It's all over here. So today, I just want us all to take inventory. If I'm sitting there and go, you know what? I need to move. I need to move. I need to get over here. Power of the Holy Spirit. He says, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Number five, hope-filled people. We need hope-filled people around us. Listen what someone said about Job in the book of Job. Job chapter 4, verse 1. This is what they said to him. You yourself have done this plenty of times, Job. You've spoken words that clarify, words that encourage those who are about to quit. Your words have put stumbling people on their feet and put fresh hope in people about to collapse. Wow. Come on. We need hope-filled people around us. You know, so what is it about these five things? I was asking the Lord, okay, God, all of us know these five things. What is it about it? These five things get us focused on God. These five things get our eyes on the Lord. Remember Peter. Peter's walking on the water. When he looks at Jesus and when he looks at the word that Jesus has spoken to him, come to me, when he's focused on Jesus, he can walk on water. The minute he starts focusing on the waves, he starts sinking. So all five of these things, if I don't do them, they don't help. But if I do them, I can walk on water. I can do the impossible. I can stand when things don't look like they're going to work out. So a big question I have for you, what land are you living in? Christine online, what land are you living in? What land are you living in? You're, God's given us a template to kind of look, what land am I living in? What are you, here's another, another earmark. What are you expecting to happen in your life? If you are expecting only bad, you're not living in the land of hope. If you're expecting that whatever's going to happen in your life is bad, you're living in the land of disappointment, discouragement, despair. What kind of attitude do you have? Peace? Joy? And listen, hope in circumstances is not the same as hope in God. Hope in, well, I'll be, I'm hoping because it's, if this turns out this way, that's what my hope is in. But what if it doesn't turn out the way I was hoping it would? My hope's gone. It's easy to put our hope in outcomes, tangible things, things the way we want them to be. But biblical hope 
means acknowledging that things may not look real good right now at this moment, but my hope in God oh, supersedes anything that's going on around me in my life today. I might have got noticed today that I'm losing my job, but my God is greater. My God is better. My God is full of mercy. He is going to get me something better. You know, I, I just thinking, if your thoughts are stuck and you're focusing on what's wrong and what's not working, then it's time to pull up your tent stakes and move into the land of hope. It's time to pack your stuff up and move out of the land of discouragement and get out your Bible, put on your glasses. It's time to put on your praise, your garment of praise. It's time to get some hope-filled people around you that will speak hope, that will speak life over you when you don't have it in you. It's time to move out of it's never going to happen subdivision. I hate that subdivision. That is a bad, that's a bad neighborhood. It ain't never going to happen subdivision. Another one that you need to move out of is I can't do it cul-de-sac. Need to get out of the can't do it cul-de-sac. And I'll tell you what, those five things are going to help me get out of there. See, God's word in these seasons, what has happened for me over the last five, six months has taken God's word and I didn't even realize it, but I got to the place sometimes where God's Word was a good devotional. Wow. It's a good devotional. It's a good book. It's there if I need it. But I'll tell you what, for the last five or six months, I can't get up and face the morning unless I get out His Word and I put on my glasses and I look, God, I don't know what's coming today, but what, what do you see coming today? I want to see what you see. I want your reality, and that's where I'm going to live in. I can't go to bed at night because I know I ain't sleeping tonight unless I put on those glasses and I pull out God's Word. And Moni and I have been doing it for months now, and we're declaring the Word of God. I know it don't look like this, but this is what the Word of God says. And by the time I'm done, I realize I have pitched my tent in the land of hope. Listen, it's, His Word is not take it or leave it. We get to that place, but that's not His desire that His Word is take it or leave it or that it's just a good devotional. It needs to be our very life. And that's why I'm going to talk about it in a little bit. That's why problems and trials come. Oh, I feel your energy and excitement on that. <laughs> Hallelujah, Craig. Thank you, thank you, brother. Thank you for that word. <laughs> it's not take it or leave it. It has to be our very life. And that's why trials and problems have a purpose in our lives. I don't like it either. So there, praise the Lord. He doesn't listen to me on that one. And every time you and I catch a negative thought and choose to dwell on God, God's promises instead, we are driving our stakes deeper in the land of hope. Every time you and I, in the face of adversity, declare the faithfulness of God, we're driving our stakes deeper in the land of hope. So let me give you a definition. What is biblical hope? Well, biblical hope is not shooting going, oh, I hope this hits something. <laughs> It's not this, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope, hope. That's not biblical hope. Listen what a good biblical definition of hope is. Joyful expectation of good. Joyful expectation of good. And it's only in bad times, it can only be based on God's word. I love it. Listen to this, Romans 8, 24. For in this hope, we were saved. See, what, what happened? We said a prayer believing that God would receive us. And in that hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. What? Are you kidding me? Hope that is not seen or hope that is seen is no hope at all. I, if I can see it, I don't have to hope for it. So listen, biblical hope, we're never going to be able to see what we're hoping for. 
The minute we have it, we don't need to hope for it anymore. I can feel your energy on that one. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So biblical hope means I'm not going to have or see what I'm hoping for. And it's, there are going to be have to be things that influence me more than what I can see, what I can feel, what I can hear. That's our journey of faith. What does it say in Hebrews 11.1? 1? Now faith is the substance of things, the evidence of things not seen. So it is our journey of faith. We got to get this thing about hope right because it is how we walk in faith. So by focusing on God's word and his character, it becomes so real to you that even though you can't see it with your natural eyes, God wants to bring us to the place where the word is, is stronger, greater, more of an authority in our day than everything we see around us. So that his word is just as real as this pulpit here. That's where he wants to get us to. Yeah, I know that's going on out there. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I know that. I know the doctor's report. I know this. I know that. But listen, this is what God says. This is what God says. And this is what I'm basing my life on. I'm hanging on to this. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Let me just give you a quick example. Abraham is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Romans 4, verse 18 says this about Abraham. Against all hope. In other words, he cannot look out there. He cannot listen. He cannot touch. He cannot smell. There is nothing in the natural to give him hope. Against all hope, what does he do? Abraham, in hope, believed. So, so wait, wait, wait. Let me read you another translation. New Living Translation says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. So, He's looking around. God has told him, Abraham, you're going to have a child. You and Sarah, you're going to have a child. Well, he's 100 years old now. It says Sarah's 90, and it says her womb is dead. That means there's no more eggs coming down the chute. So what's happening. That's real. But Abraham, and I love this. This is faith. The, new, the King James says he considered not his own body. That's not a good translation. New American Standard says he considered his own body. Now as good as dead. Yep. Yep. I'm 100 years old. Yep. And Sarah. Whoa, Sarah. Sarah, no more. No eggs coming down the chute. I could get myself in trouble real quick here, couldn't I? Moving along. He considered those. His faith got strong enough he could look at a 100-year-old body and a 90-year-old body, and he could say, God's word reigns supreme. I don't care what it looks like. I maybe got this notice I lost my job. I maybe got this doctor's notice that I got cancer. I maybe got this, but I'll tell you what. I believe in something bigger and greater than their report. I believe the word of God. And you might say, well, Craig, that's all fine and good. Well, do you know 20 years ago I was diagnosed with melanoma cancer? 20 years ago, doctors didn't think I was going to make it. God healed me. And I'll tell you what, I did these five things I'm telling you. I lived in this. I, there were days where I spent eight hours a day declaring the word of God and healing scriptures over myself. I'll tell you what, this, his word is life, it's health, it's medicine to all of our flesh. 
Romans 5. So if you were going to go into nursing school, we're getting close to wrapping up. Are you still with me? Yeah. I feel you. Come on. If you wanted to go into nursing school, they would, you go and say, hey, I want to I be a nurse. They say, okay, here's the track or here's the path you take for schooling to go get that. And most often when you see that, you get this reaction. What? I got to go through that to do that? And you got to make a decision, do I want to do that? To get to biblical hope, there is a path or there is a track that you have to take. Would you like to hear that track? It's, I, I don't know if you do. I'm telling you right now. Let me read it to you. Romans 5, I think it's verses 2 and 3 in there, says, We boast in the hope of the glory of God, but we also rejoice in problems and trials. Does anybody have a problem with that scripture? I mean, what's going on here? We also rejoice in problems and trials. Now, obviously, Paul has a revelation about what comes out of problems and trials that I need to get a handle on right? So he, said, he says, but we also rejoice in problems and trials. Okay, Paul, please tell us, enlighten us, why do you rejoice in problems and trials? Because they produce something. If I don't go through nursing 101, I can't get to nursing 102. If I don't go to nursing 102, I can't get to nursing 201. I can't get to nursing 301, and I can't be a nurse. So we're talking about hope right now. We rejoice in problems and trials because they produce something. They produce endurance and perseverance. No problems, no trials, no endurance. Wow. And if you've gone through the first class, the problem, the trial, now you've got perseverance and endurance. Something comes out of that that you get to go to next, and that is the next thing that is produced by that is strength of character. So if there's no problems, no trials, there's no strength of character. I can say all the things I want. I can say I can believe God and all these different things, but there's no hope of care. There's no uh, character, strength of character. And if I get that far and I build strength of character, the next thing is I have confident hope. Come on. That is the course. That is the path. And that's why problems and trials can be a blessing to us. Help us, Jesus, get a handle on that one. Let me finish with this. Hebrews 6, verse 18 through 20. We who have run for our very lives to God. And I don't believe that was when we first got saved. I'll tell you what, for months now, I've been running for my very life to God. <laughs> and those are good days. Any day I'm running for my very life to God is a good day. Because I'm realizing this is not all normal and peachy and what is going on on earth isn't important. Are you number one in my life? We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope. And how do we grab the promised hope? Put on those glasses. Get on our praise. Get on our knees and pray. Get hope-filled people around us. Get the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us. How do we grab hold of that faith? That's how we grab hold of that hope. It says we grab prom the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Wait a minute, we got another doctor's report here. I ain't letting go of this promise that I've got. I ain't letting go of this hope. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. Listen to this. Reaching past all appearances. I don't care what I see. I don't care. I'm not moved by that. I am only moved by the word of God and what his word has spoken to me. Abraham said, I may be 100, she may be 90, but I am hanging on. God said that I would have a son, and I don't care how long it takes, we're going to have that son. Whew. Glory to God. Now, today you are responsible, first of all, 
where am I living? Am I living in the land of discouragement, disappointment, despair? Nobody can move you to there. Nobody. Your pastor can't move you. He can encourage you. He can stand with you. Speak. These two speak such hope-filled words. You guys are always speaking hope-filled words. I'm going to need to be the one that makes the decision. Am I going to put on the glasses? Am I going to get on my knees? And am I going to let God persuade me? That's what that word believe means, is to be persuaded, to be convinced or persuaded that no matter what it looks like going on around me, I can live in the land of hope. Could I pray over you? Pray for an explosion of hope in your lives. Those of you online, we just love you and bless you. Father, I pray for everyone here. I don't know where they're at, but you do, Father. And God, if some of us have been living in the land of despair and discouragement, we ask right now, God, that you would help us pull up those tent stakes. And God, you would help us move into the land of hope. Father, I declare there is a wave of hope arising in the people of God, I pray. Father, let your word become the very life that we need, that we grab a hold of, God, even on a daily basis. God, I pray that you shift us so that we don't see problems and trials like we used to see them. But God, when we see them, we know, God, you're going to bring hope into my life. Father, I declare blessing over everyone here, everyone online. And God, I ask that you would pour out your grace, pour out your mercy on them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.